It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football guru, DFS prop player, guru, Chris Dell. You guys can find him on Twitter, at Mad Journalist, and you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 10 recap pod. A lot of interesting games today. If you guys watched the Sunday night football game, that turned into a monsoon uh, rather quickly. Uh, we did have a couple games today that were affected by weather, so I won't buy into uh, some of the results. And the first first game we're going to go ahead and start out with, Chris, uh, was in fact a weather game. Cleveland against Houston. Cleveland gets a 10-7 to win today. Not sure what you saw on that one. Uh, that game I didn't actually even turn on today because it was like, well, you know, I got fantasy players going in a bunch of other games, and I'm like, that was the one game I avoided. So I'm like, you know what? I don't even care what goes on in that one, really. And, uh, of course, they only scored 17 points total. Cleveland gets the win 10-7. What did you see in that one? Yeah, this is a game that we would have liked a lot with a lot of different props if there wasn't any weather concerns. Um, so you kind of really have to scratch off everything that happened, 10-7. to I think the under was an easy play. Uh, we picked that as one of our betting pros accuracy contest picks where we submit picks every single week with other betting analysts in the industry. We put out an article about it on bettingpredators.com as well. You can check that out. But uh, yeah, man, other, other than that, I mean, uh, you know, it was all all about the ground game for Cleveland and Kareem Hunt had been struggling to fill the shoes of, of Nick Chubb as like the solo featured back in that offense. But you saw now with Nick Chubb back, it, it might have just been kind of like a get right rushing matchup. But still, I think the Browns offense is more balanced with both Chubb and Hunt offering different styles out of the backfield there. And they were both ultra efficient in this matchup here uh, on, on the ground in this game. And, and they pretty much split the workload 50-50 overall. They both got close to, to 20 overall carries uh, in this game here. So they combined for 38 carries, uh, 230 rushing yards. Uh, but Hunt is still a, a more valuable PPR option in fantasy. You don't want to just sell low on him just because Chubb is back. Hunt with uh, three catches on four targets. Chubb just one target. And that's pretty much what we expected from both these backs before Chubb got hurt as well. Um, the only thing I could say, Sleepy, is besides ignoring everything, like let's pay attention to what the prop numbers are going to be for week 11. Um, we have the Browns uh, hosting the Eagles in week 11. You know, we'll see what the weather's like. And then we have the Texans hosting the Patriots. And the reason why I bring those games up is because, you know, with the Browns, we have back-to-back games now with really bad wind, kind of deflating the overall statistics and numbers. So, it's possible in, in certain types of matchups now that the books might be, uh, you know, not putting these numbers high enough for some of these Browns offensive skill players. Uh, and, the, and the same goes with the Texans who only scored seven points in this game. So I would just keep that in the back of your head as we start to look at things. Um, but, but overall, there's really not much else to take out of this game. All right, let's jump to our next one here. This was an interesting one. Detroit gets the win there at home. 30 to 27. Prater kicks like a 59 yard field goal in that game. Uh, Lardy Yardage grounded up in that one. Matt Stafford, 276, three TDs. Uh, Alex Smith, 390 yards, but not a touchdown in that game. <clears throat> uh, DeAndre Swift showed up. McLaurin showed up. Uh, your boy Antonio Gibson had a, a decent day, at least as far as getting touchdowns. I think that was a prop play that I gave out. That was one of the few that I hit today. Uh, what did you see in that one? I think it was a little bit of a heartbreaker loss. Uh, for Washington. How'd you feel about that game? 
Yeah, there, there's quite a few different takeaways I have for this game. The, the first, obviously, is, is we're continuing to hit uh, with our over props in the running backs in the receiving game with J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson. This is now two straight weeks. We've hit our all four legs of our quadruple dip player prop where we're playing Gibson over receptions and receiving yards, McKissick over receptions and receiving yards. And McKissick hit it in the second quarter, even though his prop lines were higher. He was at four and a half catches and I think 30 and a half yards. And he winds up again with double-digit targets now for the th- for the second straight week. 15 targets this week, 14 targets last week. That's like Devontae Adams uh, type of usage. Uh, and, and Gibson's kind of steadily getting his, you know, four to five targets a week in the passing game and making the most out of them, even though I wish I would I wish that they would involve him a little bit more in the passing game because again, he he was a wide receiver converted to running back in college, a very explosive athlete. And you mentioned the touchdown sleepy, and you definitely called that on our Money Picks podcast. Um, you have to feel a little bit fortunate. I, I do. I'm saying I feel fortunate because I have Antonio Gibson in about half my leagues. I, I went you know, he- heavy on him in drafts this year and even traded for him in a league. And uh, without those two rushing touchdowns at the goal line, he, he would have had a pretty bad fantasy day. But you know what? Um, they're using him exclusively as their goal line back. So you do have to feel good about that usage, even though you definitely want to see him get more targets from McKissick moving forward. Um, and then overall, Terry McLaurin, he continues to be, you know, quarterback proof. You know, he's going to produce whether it's Haskins, whether it's Alex Smith, whether it's Kyle Allen back there. And he had a big game again today. You know, a lot of it came in the second half when they were trailing. But, you know, 95 yards, gets a team high nine targets outside of McKissick, obviously. Um, and, and then for the Lions side of things, I, I'm surprised that Stafford played as well as he did because Washington can put pressure on the quarterback. And obviously we know Stafford was without Galladay. Uh, even Hawkinson was banged up throughout the week. He wound up playing. Uh, your boy Amendola actually went down with an injury in this game, uh, and he was right at the cusp of hitting the over on his receptions prop. I know you liked that one earlier in the week, and a few others did that I know as well. Um, so other than that, there's really not too much else to take from the Lions side of things. I mean, you mentioned it, DeAndre Swift. This was by far and away his best usage of the season. And, we, and the, the news actually came out from beat reporters before the game started that Swift was going to, quote unquote, get his first start of the season. So he actually started the, started the game as the lead running back in this offense, winds up with 21 touches overall and five targets. And you see Adrian Peterson, uh, you know, at season lows in terms of his touches overall. So, so if you own Swift, you're very excited to see that. I wouldn't mind trying to trade for him before his value goes even higher and he has an even more blow, of a blow-up game. So I'll definitely be looking to play Swift rushing over props next week when they visit the Carolina, Carolina Panthers. We saw what Ronald Jones did against them today. Uh, but other than that, that's pretty much all I got is the rookie running back stuff. All right, good stuff in that game. Let's jump over to my Green Bay Packers. They get a win there today and Lambeau 24 to 20 against the one and eight Jaguars. Uh, it was an ugly game, Chris, to say the least. Rodgers went and he played rather well, 24 for 34, 325, two TDs. He did throw an interception in that game. Uh, the one guy I was targeted in that game was Aaron Jones. Uh, he didn't play all that well, at least running the ball, but he was, you know, somewhat effective out of the backfield. Uh, he did have five catches for 49 yards in that one. Uh, my boy Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who let me down weeks ago, uh, came through big time in that game today. Four catches, one forty-nine, and a touchdown. Uh, as far as the uh, as far as the Jaguars go, I didn't have a whole lot uh, riding on that team today. I believe I had mentioned if Jake Luton throw a touchdown or not to throw a touchdown. Sure enough, he threw a pick today. Uh, I think he kind of finally came down to earth. You know, from his three hundred yards he threw for last week. 
Uh, didn't really take much from the game. I guess it was just a down spot for Packers overall. I'm not surprised that the game was somewhat close. Um, I thought Green Bay might try to put a, a big win under their belt. Uh, but again, you know, it, it, I guess it could, you know, it can go either way. I'm just happy Green Bay came away with a win there. I didn't see a whole lot in that game. What'd you get? Yeah, I mean, the Packers now back-to-back games at home as big favorites with the weather. They've kind of struggled a little bit, obviously, with the Vikings losing last week and now here barely beating the Jaguars, who had a chance to win right up until right up until the very end of this ballgame. Um, you know, I hesitated to play the Jake Luton under rushing prop again. I kind of let my bias get the best of me because they had actually raised it to nine and a half rushing yards. And, you know, he didn't have one rushing attempt last week until like the last uh, Jacksonville offensive play of the game. And, and in this game, he didn't have a single rushing attempt. So I think that's something we might want to look to if it, the line doesn't get too low. The type of quarterback he is, the type of athlete he, did, uh, he is and what he did in college. Um, so it, it was on my list and it didn't quite make the final hit list for my player props column. And we'll talk about some of the props that we hit on today as well as we get into some of these other games. Uh, but overall in this game, I shied away from, from, from props personally because of the weather, because of the fact that I thought the Packers would blow them out. And I didn't think Devontae Adams would get, you know, heavy usage in the second half, but it was a close game. He gets 12 targets, uh, eight catches overall. And, you know, you got to like what you see from Adams week in and week out, no matter the situation, no matter the weather. James Robinson, uh, Chris Thompson, he was like the only notable offensive injury that I noticed in this game. He left the game uh, somewhere in the second or third quarter, and James Robinson went back to being a pure bell cow, not just getting like 20, 25 carries a game, but also getting the majority of the targets out of the backfield. He's playing in the two-minute drill. He's playing on long down and distance. He wound up with 25 total touches and five targets in this game. So he's a locked-in RB1 in fantasy if Chris Thompson misses any more time and if Thompson comes back comes back he kind of limits the ceiling uh in ppr scoring a little bit but uh yeah other than that i mean can you really trust marquez valdez scanling outside of a cheap dfs play because one week he might have 10 yards the, the next week he might have 100 plus so i don't expect that can, that to continue with him the matchup was kind of ripe for the taking there uh but yeah man other than that uh i'm interested sleepy we'll talk about this in our week 11 uh preview pod wednesday night with the rest of the guys uh, but I definitely am eyeing Packers plus one and a half at the Colts uh, in a bounce back spot for them here in week 11. Yeah, hopefully they go in and get that done. You know, the, the Colts are a tough team for me to figure out. You know, I kind of keep thinking that they're a bunch of frauds. And it's like every week I think that they're a fraud. They turn out and, you know, they win games. So I don't know. But I, hopefully Green Bay goes in and pulls out a win. Uh, I was upset today at the Eagles and pull out a win. I'll tell you that much. Giants get the win there. They go into Philly. 27-17, Philadelphia by far uh, was the healthiest today uh, that they've been all year. But I will say one thing, Chris, one thing that I noticed in this game, and if we haven't done this yet for some of you guys who you know like taking stats and, and all kinds of stuff like that, uh, you certainly have to go ahead. You have to upgrade the Giants offensive line. The Giants offensive line actually played a very, very good game today. Um, they, were, they were blocking uh, everybody that they needed to block on the running plays. They were picking up the blitzes. Uh, Daniel Jones seemingly had, you know, all the time in the world and Philadelphia, you know, for whatever reason or another today, I don't necessarily know what it was. I think a lot of it had to do with the Eagles offensive line was struggling, but the Eagles were like 0 for 9 on third downs today. Uh, just did not play well. Wentz was throwing some balls in, in some in some tough spots for some of his receivers to go ahead and catch. Uh, Miles Sanders went over his rushing yards. That was the highlight of my my day for uh, pretty much of my day. Uh, so I was I was quite happy about that. Uh, your boy Slayton, 
he got banged up early. I wasn't even sure if he was going to come back in and play. He sure enough, he did. He came back in, had five catches, 93 yards. Uh, my boy Gallman had two TDs. I was a couple weeks late uh, with that prop. Uh, he he did well for me, uh, especially in my fantasy league. But I was I was surprised that Philly fell like that. Now Philly's going to go. I think they go on the road next week to Cleveland. It's going to be a big game for Philly. The fact that um, the Giants get a win there. I mean, that, that division is getting closer and closer. It's sad, though. I mean, there's not a team in that division that has more than three wins. And uh, <laughs> it's just a sad division looking at that division. But what did you see in that one today, Chris? Anything stick out to you? Uh, no, just what you mentioned with Carson Wentz and the Eagles offense struggling. I don't know if it's the same parallel you can draw here, but it kind of reminded me of how Tom Brady looked on primetime against the Saints last week where he's getting Antonio Brown back into the fold and, and they just get completely boat raced by a divisional opponent there. And the Giants defense has played pretty well all se- all season, so I'm not surprised when when you see them stepping up in big moments. They have a really good shadow uh cornerback and James Bradbury he wasn't on one particular receiver for this game I saw him a few plays on Fulham who had his worst game since becoming a starter in this offense uh, I saw him a little bit on Jalen Rager and, and kind of what what I saw from Wentz in, in terms of Bra- what Brady looked like the other day or the other week should I say is, is that there's so many mouths to feed now in this offense you have Dallas Goddard you know he's back and healthy off IR Miles Sanders just came back you know you're going to involve him in the passing game a little bit you still want to involve Boston Scott in the passing game you also want to involve Jalen Rager, who just came off IR a few weeks ago. Uh, and, and then you add the fact of uh, Travis Fulham's emergence. Alshon Jeffrey was back into the fold again. So, you know, we are not clear at this moment who is going to emerge uh, in terms of a guy who's going to get a guy or guys that's going to get consistent targets and passing volume in this passing attack now. Uh, I, would, I would assume that it's going to be Fulham, Rager, and Goddard. Uh, but that's not what it was today. You saw Richard Rodgers get four catches. He led the team with 60 yards, the backup tight end, after posting a goose egg la- uh, the, the last time they played. So I'm not sure what to make of it, but what you can rely on, and, and you nailed this prop, Sleepy, and this was also something that didn't make my hit. I had quite a few props that I won today that didn't make the hit list, the final cut list for my props column. So we were on a lot of stuff throughout the week. If you listen to our week, well, weekly preview pod, you listen to our Friday Night Money Picks pod, in our live stream pod that you were on Miles Sanders. And I agreed with you when you brought it up last Friday night uh, over on the rushing yards and, and he's breaking off these long runs. He's being very efficient today. He averaged 5.7 yards per carry. So he was kind of the lone bright spot in my opinion from Philly. And then when you look at the Giants side of things, I, I mean, nothing really stood out to me uh, in that offense, you know, Wayne Gallman, he, he's, he's filling in for Devonte Freeman who's going to be on IR for at least three weeks now. Uh, but other than that, you know, Darius Slayton wanted to bounce him back with a big game. And he was someone I was looking at an under towards, but I wound up shying away from it because it was just set way too low. Uh, so, yeah, man, it, it's going to be really sad and ugly uh, when one of these teams uh, in this NFC East division winds up getting a home playoff game. That's for sure. I will say this, though, Chris, if you guys can grab three and a half with Philadelphia for next week against Cleveland, uh, I would strongly go ahead and consider going ahead and jumping on on Philly there. I thought the same thing, Chris. I'm like, you know what, man? It's just, you know, you got Alshon back in the mix. Here comes Sanders back in, you know, Rager's finally, you know, he's finally back in there. Now uh, you got Richard Rogers. It was like, you had six guys that all got five targets in the game. It was too many miles to feed. And I, I thought I saw that, you know, throughout the game and I'm not going to blame Wentz for that. I got to blame Peterson because he's known for that. You know, the other day, I think when we were talking, when I said, you know, Philly's getting healthy, don't be surprised if you see somebody like Corey Clement come in and, and get a touch. 
sure enough, Clement came in today. You know, he had a carry and he got a touchdown. It was like, like he just involves way too many people when they don't need to be involved. You know, as I said, you know, when we talked about Tampa, it was it was dumbed down the offense. You know, look to run the ball first and get the guys who you want on the field, get them the ball. If you notice, like Scotty Miller today, he was obsolete in that Tampa game. Antonio Brown, you know, kind of, you know, took over, I guess, maybe that role. Uh, but it, it, it's something that, that Philly has to go ahead and unscrew, and hopefully Peterson can unscrew. And if he can, you know, Philadelphia, I think that the fact that they're going to go into that game next week against Cleveland, uh, I would say that the Giants offensive line is probably far better than the Browns. And we know that, you know, Cleveland, they're a run first team. If Philly can go ahead and manage to stop Chubb and stop Hunt, uh, I think Baker's going to have a tough time going ahead and, you know, get, delivering the ball. And the fact that, you know, the Eagles lost this game today and Cleveland won, I think that that go ahead and that certainly that's going to set up the Eagles that go ahead and have value. So I, if you guys are looking for a bet already, an early best bet, go ahead and take the Philadelphia Eagles next week plus three and a half. Uh, or if if you really want to go ahead and, and do something, you know, wise guy, you should just go ahead and play them on the money line. I think Philly bounces back and probably wins that game next week. All right, Chris, let's jump over to our next game here. Oh, Tampa Bay. All right, so we got Tampa. We got Carolina. Tampa Bay, 46. Carolina, 23. Uh, I had the wrong guy in the game today, and I, I started to think about it as we got closer and closer to game time. You know, I gave out Leonard Fournette over rushing and receiving yards, and I started to think down, like, if Tampa dumbs down the offense and they go back to, you know, let's let's go back to, you know, our, our, our foundation. You know, it was Ronald Jones. You know, it is Godwin. It is Evans. You know, that, that that's, you know, that that's the core of their team right now, and the fact that you know, Fournette didn't get to, you know, the number that he needed to get to. But if you look at Ronald Jones, I mean, he had 23 carries, Fournette only had eight. Ronald Jones had a monster day today, 192 yards on the ground. He also had a touchdown. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'll i go ahead and say I had the wrong handicap. I think I was thinking right, but I just ended up with the with the wrong guy. Um, that was my bad. That was, that was certainly my bad. Your boy DJ Moore showed up today. Uh, Bridgewater got hurt. I don't know the extent of that injury, Chris. Maybe you could tell me, you know, what all went on with that. But I thought it was kind of funny how Tampa Bay was clearly winning that game. They were going to win that game. They were they were even covering that game. But Tom Brady found he found it, you know, in himself to go ahead and throw a pass to to Gronk at the end of the game. There, you got to wonder, Chris. Like, you know, he's going back and forth with Drew Brees for this for this touchdown thing. I don't think that that's something that we rule out, you know, in, in future games because there was no reason for him to go ahead and throw that football to Gronk. And sure enough, that was like it was like he called his own number. He wanted to get another touchdown in that game. So uh, I did take that out of that game. Uh, what would you see? Yeah, the, the thing that I saw is that, you know, I had joked a couple of podcasts ago. There was a point in time, I think it was like weeks four and five, five and six, something like that, where I was all on Ronald Jones over rushing. And then it was the Leonard Fournette show. And then it was the, the week after I was all on, on Ronald Jones under and Arians gave it back to him. And you just can't trust what Arians does. He's like Kyle Shanahan, completely unpredictable with the running backs. If you would have asked any single person in the world, fantasy analysts, betting analysts, et cetera, even just football fans in general, you know, what would have happened today after Ronald Jones lost that fumble in the first quarter you would think that he would not have gotten a single snap or touch the rest of the way or close to that. But nope, Arians decides, you know what? I, I've, I've punished Ronald Jones all these times that all, all these times in the past for things, not even as bad as what he just did today. 
and I'm just going to give him the bell cow, you know, featured back usage. And that's what he did. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and try to bet my money on what Bruce Arians is going to do. Cause I think a lot of the times, you know, he's just doing it based on how he feels. That's just what it seems to me in terms of the eye test. So I'm off of betting on Bruce Arians' usage. And with Tom Brady, we talked about not wanting to bet any of the offensive players in terms of the passing game because we don't we know we don't know who Tom Brady's gonna go to either. It, it's, it could be Chris Godwin, it could be Evans, it could be A B, it could be all them with a little bit of Tyler Johnson, JD Mickens, and Scotty Miller thrown in between. You even saw Cameron Brait come out of nowhere and, and score a touchdown in this game. So uh I think they could I think Tom Brady likes that. He likes having too many mouths to feed, whereas with Wentz, maybe it might be a little bit more of an issue in terms of the game we talked about before. Uh so that that's kind of what I noticed here. Uh the, the Panthers, they, they just couldn't hold up in this game. They're obviously a different type of team without Christian McCaffrey. Mike Davis can only do so much. Mike Davis actually left this game early, I believe late in the third quarter, uh, with like some type of like a finger or hand injury. So it's kind of unknown what his status is right now. And then with Teddy Bridgewater, you mentioned that he hurt his knee. Uh, it wasn't the same knee that he hurt a couple years back ago in Minnesota. And I believe he's going in for an MRI on Monday, but it's not believed to be too serious, not too serious. But I, I do still think it's too early to tell whether or not he's going to miss any time. And it would be uh, XFL superstar PJ Walker who would actually come in and become the starting quarterback for that team if we did did see Bridgewater miss any time there. They also have Will Greer still on, on the roster in his second year too. So, um, yeah, you just can't trust the – it's hard to trust the usage for Carolina's thing too because we saw DJ Moore actually lead the team with seven targets, but is that going to be a thing week to week? I don't know. I, I still firmly believe he is the best talent in that wide receiver room for the Panthers hands down. But he's not the one that has the prior chemistry with Teddy or the prior chemistry with Matt Rule. That's something we've touched on seemingly every week on this podcast. So I don't really want to go there right now until I see multiple weeks of consistent usage. I actually benched DJ Moore in a few of my fantasy leagues. At least now I feel a little more comfortable in starting him that he's not completely in the doghouse there. So other than that, there's not really too much else I can take. I think these are two teams on two different levels. Uh, and, and the Panthers can only hope to compete with the Bucks if they have a healthy Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. I mean, it was a night and day. I mean, from last week to this week, Tampa Bay last week, they scored three points. This week, they score 46. You know, I don't know about you, Chris, but I mean, you got Godwin's Edmonds, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown had eight targets today, seven catches, 69 yards. You know, Evans had 77 yards and a touchdown. Godwin, 92 yards. I mean, I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to think, is there a more dominant receiving core in the NFL? I don't think that there's anybody that's really even close to what Tampa Bay has as far as the receivers. I know there's some teams out there that can contend, you know, with three guys that are half decent. But, man, if, if you, you know, you throw Antonio Brown on this team and he performs like he did today, I mean, you can only imagine, Chris, that he's going to get better. Yeah. And the fact that, the fact that, you know, Evans had 11 targets today, Godwin, you know, he had, I mean, Godwin's Godwin. I mean, that team's just going to be, they're going to be really, really tough to go ahead and figure out, um, especially if Ronald Jones is doing what he did today. Like, if this is the Bucks offense that we're going to see, nobody will beat this team. It doesn't matter who they are. Um, it, and nobody will be able to beat them. They just got, there's just too much there. Yeah. I would be afraid to go ahead and 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 fade the Bucks, um going into their next game if they, you know, and you always say this, you don't know what the hell Arians is going to do. But if Arians is like, all right, maybe we found ourselves here. Because when you 
when you score 46 points and you try to switch things up the next week, um, I mean, clearly, you know, you're just you, – it's kind of like you're playing with fire. And we know Brady wants to throw touchdowns. That's for damn sure. I mean – Well, he, he's going to – well, Sleepy, he's going to have a tough time doing that because they play next Monday night against the Los Angeles Rams. They're at home in that game. But that's going to be a tough matchup there. Uh, even though the Rams are traveling across the country, they, they will have that extra extra day of rest to help them on those travels. But uh, uh, this this was a good matchup for them. And, you know, of course you want to come out and score 46 points and you want to, you know, throw for 300-plus yards every single week. But, frankly, you just can't do that every single week in every matchup. So the reason why I'm not high, I, I, I agree with you as a whole in real-life football, not talking about fantasy DFS props. I agree. I think they're one of the deepest, you know, wide receiver rooms, receiving game rooms, you know, so to speak, in the league. I'd probably put them next to a Pittsburgh, which I think Pittsburgh is very similar in the fact that they have Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Then you have Eric Ebron, athletic tight end. You know, you have a good running back, veteran quarterback, veteran coach, et cetera. So those two teams are a little bit similar because their defenses are also pretty high level as well. Um, But in terms of fantasy and props, I think you're going to see a lot of frustrating inconsistent usage and I would not be surprised to see Antonio Brown uh, lead the team in targets the rest of the way or at least be very close with Chris Godwin one and two it's just scary Chris because you start thinking about that team you think about Godwin Evans and Brown and it's like you know you can put a you know a handful of guys in a box that are kind of like matchup proof like it doesn't matter if they're going up against you know Jalen Ramsey like you know that they're going to get their yards regardless you know we know guys like that like Hopkins and McLaurin and stuff like that like I mean, you got three guys out there that are almost matchup proof. They're just so they're going to be a tough team to defend, man. You know, it's funny you just mentioned Pittsburgh because that was the team I was thinking about when it came to like the wide receivers. I think that would be a really cool Super Bowl. Big Ben against Brady with these two teams. I think that would be a a pretty damn good Super Bowl. Anyway, Art, we spent enough time on that one. That kind of was one of the bigger games of today. Uh, Let's jump over to uh, the game that just absolutely pissed off Sleepy like to no end. Uh, the Raiders and the Broncos. Raiders get a big win there, 37-12. I had the over 50 and a half. It lands on 49. Um, that, that just pissed me off. Look, Drew Locke stinks, dude. Seriously, like, he's not good. I watched him last week, three quarters against Atlanta. He struggled, uh, you know, for three quarters today. I mean, he did absolutely nothing. Um, this guy, he threw four interceptions today. I'm not even going to go on and on and on about this guy. He's a bum. Uh, he, de- he doesn't even really deserve to be a quarterback uh, in this league. Derek Carr struggled today, uh, only 154 yards, but they put up 37 points. You know, the Raiders had the game plan today, just run the ball and run it down Denver's throats, and they ran for 203 yards. Josh Jacobs had a big day. Even Devontae Booker came in and had a big day. Uh, if you had any overs with, you know, any of the receivers for the Raiders, you kind of, you know, you kind of probably a little pissed off. I was pissed off. Hunter Renfro ran, a, uh, I think it was a punt. Ran it in for a touchdown. I got flagged, and I'm like, there goes my over. That's going to kill me some way, somehow. Sure enough, it did. The one prop that I gave out for this game, Chris, was uh, K.J. Hamler. Go ahead, score a touchdown. Uh, That didn't happen. He did have four catches for 50 yards. I don't know what you saw on that one, man. I think the big takeaway for me is the fact that just Drew Locke is just miserable as a quarterback. You know, if it takes this guy until the fourth quarter to start moving the chains, I mean, you got to do something. I mean, I think they got to make a move here sooner or later. Um, you got to get rid of that guy. He's just way too inconsistent. He's holding the ball way too damn long. He can't throw the ball to the other team four times. It's starting to remind me of, you know, a Fitzpatrick, Jameis Winston type of quarterback where, you know, he's just out there slinging it all over the place, just hoping for the best. 
And you can't do that in this league because you'll eventually be a backup quarterback like Fitzpatrick, like Winston. And uh, that's where I think Drew Locke eventually ends up. So uh, enough with my rant and raving on that one. That game did piss me off. That was my big play today on pregame. So my clients didn't cash. I didn't cash. I was pissed, but I'll let it go. That's enough. What do you got? Well, I mean, at least those guys that you mentioned, Fitzpatrick and Winston, uh, they at least brought a little bit of upside to the table. And we haven't, we haven't even seen the good upside part of Drew Locke. The best thing we've gotten out of Drew Locke is that for the, like you mentioned the last two weeks before this, he actually did put up a lot of yards and garbage time statistics in the fourth quarter uh, against the Falcons and against the Chargers. But in this game, he, he couldn't even do it against the Raiders. He got like all the production that the Broncos receivers got was pretty much half of it for the entire game was on the last drive with less than two minutes left in the game. And they wound up scoring a touchdown and going from six points to 12 points in this game. Uh, we were lucky to hit our Jerry Judy over receiving prop, but we got there. Uh, I, I think that Judy, he wound up with a team high 68 yards, had two catches for 43 yards going into that final drive. So he had two catches for another, you know, 25 on that last drive. But you know what? Some w- w- With these types of bets we're making when we know the team's coming in and they're like, you know, potentially a touchdown dog or more, we know that that garbage time in a lot of cases is going to play into our favor. We'll talk about that a little bit later with our Brandon Ayuk prop that we cashed on as well. Um, so that, that was the main prop that I, w- I was on in this game was Judy. Uh, he had come into the league, uh, coming into this game, he had led the league in air yards for the last two weeks combined. Uh, and, and I think that better days are ahead for Judy because the talent is there. But I agree with you. You know, re- you can go to bettingpredators.com. You can read a little bit more of Sleepy's rants and raves on on his uh, frauds and gods column. We got that up tonight. And uh, Drew Locke has already maxed out his uh, entries on the frauds and gods. He's, he's been a fraud on uh, Sleepy's column now for two straight weeks. So. <laughs> there's only so much more you can, you, you can, uh, you, you can uh, rant and be bitter about with Drew Locke before you got put it in the back, in, in, in the back door. But, uh, but anyways, like uh, you mentioned KJ Hamler last thing with the Broncos here is that uh, KJ Hamler has now had 10 targets in back-to-back games. So uh, very exciting to see two very talented rookie receivers start to get up in production and usage, even though the quarterback play has been very inconsistent. Um, other than that with the Raiders, I mean, Josh Jacobs, when he scores touchdowns, he's an elite fantasy option. When he doesn't, he leaves you wanting a little bit more because he's still not very involved in the passing game, even though today he finally went back to a healthy four targets and he did run a lot of routes. So I I don't know how sticky that is from week to week with Jacobs. I still think he's more of like a, in between the 10 to 20 range and rankings as opposed like a locked in top 10 type of fantasy option. So Raiders, you can't really take much out of Waller in the passing game because they simply didn't need to pass much uh, in, in this matchup here. And, and they were clearly uh, the better team for the Broncos. And who, who would have thought now that we'd be nine weeks into the season and the Raiders would be six and three? Because I'll sure as hell tell you that I thought under seven and a half wins coming into this season was a solid bet for the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, Chris, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want to ask it because I'm afraid to know the answer. So the total in the Raiders game was 50 and a half. Now the game landed on 49, but as you mentioned, it was a garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter. Did the Denver Broncos happen to go for two on that last play? I I can check right now. Just give me, yeah, I can check. I, I, I mean, I would guess that they went for it and didn't get it because. They scored six in the fourth quarter. So I'm almost yeah. 100% sure they went for two. I'm glad I didn't watch that game. You know what? <laughs> I started to watch Locke, and I'm like, I'm going to sleep. I actually slept through it, and normally I don't sleep through my premium plays, but I just felt like 
once I saw the Renfro touchdown get called back and I saw what Locke looked like, I'm like, I'm going to need a miracle. And Oh, oh. Oh, hold up. Oh, it's okay. Oh, actually, I, I, I misspoke because I was watching Red Zone with this with this game. I only saw kind of some hi- highlights back and forth, but it was actually the the it was the Raiders who scored with less than two minutes left. Basically, they were just driving down to milk the clock and uh, the backup running back Devontae Booker scored a touchdown. It was 30 to 12 at that point, And then Booker scored a touchdown to make it 37. They kicked the extra point. The Raiders did on the drive before that with about six minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was uh, Deshaun Hamilton caught a touchdown pass. They went for a two-point conversion pass, and it failed. So that made it 30-12, to and then the Raiders added the seven right there at the end with about a minute and 50 seconds left. So no matter what, it was like it was like a yeah a that that, that over was that over was dead. I I liked I liked the over too. Honestly, I, I thought the Broncos would put up more than twelve points, but it is what it is. That sucks. Oh well, whatever. I'll move on. Um, let's jump over to Miami and the Chargers. Miami gets a win there, twenty nine to twenty one here at home. Uh, I think two. I don't think Tua has Tua lost the game yet. I think he's undefeated. I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, he is. Yeah. Here's one thing that that I'll I'll say for sure. Uh, you can even argue with me against this, Chris, and I'll just I'll keep throwing the stats at you if you want to argue, but I don't think you will. Don't play any wide receiver against against Miami. Just don't do it. Um, this team they, they can stop pretty much anybody. Their secondary is really really good, and the fact that Keenan Allen went out had you know three catches today, thirty nine yards. That's that's the only thing you really need to know. Uh, it was clearly Justin Herbert was like, look, I I got to try to at least throw the ball, and he was throwing it to the running back. Balaj had. Uh, a pretty good day today. Uh, I think he had five catches or something like that. He had 68 yards rushing. Herbert only 187 today, two touchdowns with an interception. So uh, I don't know what you took out of that game. Uh, you got some running back from Miami who's filling in. Uh, Ahmed, he had, you know, 21 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, I, I don't really have a whole lot to say about that. I would just go ahead and probably not play any wide receivers against Miami. Uh, I think you're just, you know, you're 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 fighting a losing battle or even if you think you have a plus CV bet, I mean, there's a chance that you don't even get, you know, enough targets out of a guy. So I'll just leave it at that, Chris. I'm not sure if you agree or disagree, but I mean, that Miami secondary looks like they are for real. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that. That's my number one takeaway, hands down. I actually posted a tweet about it earlier because we had been on a roll with our player props call, and we had won our nine, our first nine props of the day. I, I had written up 17 props overall today. There was just a lot of plays that I really liked, and, and we wound up being successful. We went 12-5 and five overall in the day. There was a few that we hit on that, that I forgot to mention earlier when we were going through, going through some of the early games, but you can find the, the column and check it out for yourself on bettingpredators.com. We track our record on there, Sleepy's picks, my picks, et cetera, et cetera. But that's my number one takeaway is the first prop that I missed today was Keenan Allen over six and a half receptions. And my thought process and a lot of analysts in the industry as well is that, you know, Keenan Allen, since he plays, you know, about 50% of his uh, snaps come out of the slot that uh, because of that, he would avoid shadow coverage at least half of the game. Uh, from Xavier Howard, but the Dolphins were pretty much keeping Xavier Howard on Keenan Allen for almost all the game, and, and they they still have Byron Jones. So I I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and, and it's looking more and more each week like this could be the best defensive back duo in the NFL with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Uh, they're not perfect. I mean, look, last week you saw Christian Kirk uh, burn Byron Jones deep on a couple of uh, uh, deep passes from Kyler Murray. 
But in this game, uh, the, the the Chargers don't have a, as good of a deep threat, in my opinion, like Kirk, just a straight speed burner down the field. Their deep threat, their deep threats are a little more big body type of receivers like a, a, a Jalen Guyton or, or, a, or a Mike Williams. So, yeah, I mean, Herbert's definitely his worst game as a starter. And that's saying a lot because, you know, to have your worst game and, and still complete you know, 20 passes, two touchdowns, and, you know, a little less than 200 yards. I mean, it's not great, but to have that be your worst game, I guess what I'm saying is that's just not too bad. So I expect much better days ahead for Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert. And in the tweet that I mentioned is that I do not plan on playing any overs for the rest of the season uh, against this Miami secondary. I'm, I'm done doing it. The only thing I would look maybe to attack would be rushing props against them. We saw Kalen Balazs have a little bit of success on the ground, uh, even in a negative game script, he had 18 carries, 68 yards. So the efficient, efficiency wasn't really all that there. Uh, but you know, he he got the lead. He he got the lead back duties in this game with Justin Jackson on injured reserve now for at least three weeks. And you met, you mentioned Salvan Ahmed. I think that's how you say it, like Ahmed. Um, he's an undrafted rookie out of Washington. Actually went to the same school that Miles Gaskin went to. That's interesting, right there. And I, a couple of very trusted fantasy smart analysts that I listened to had actually recommended him as like a deep dart throw. And I just ignored it because I'm thinking like, oh, you know, Braid is going to be back anytime soon. They just traded a six round pick a few weeks ago for DeAndre Washington. So how much, you know, burn are they actually going to really give this guy? And, and what do you know? Braid is who was listed as questionable all week. He winds up being ruled out. And then Jordan Howard becomes a healthy scratch in this game. And Ahmed looked great. So if you can grab him off waivers, I mean, who knows how long he'll be the starter for? Who knows what will happen when Miles Gaskin eventually comes back into the lineup? But to have a guy like that who profiled well uh, in the combine in certain met- in certain metrics and-, and was a good college player, you know, those upside type of running backs, it's all about opportunity. And if this guy gets more opportunity in this offense with Tua, uh, there could be really good things to come in fantasy for your flex spot, for your RB2 spot. So definitely – Priority waiver pickup if you need any type of running back depth. Definitely go out and try to pick Salvan Ahmed off waivers this week. All right, good stuff in that game. Let's jump over to probably the heartbreaker of the, the day here. Uh, if you had the Bills on the money line, Arizona throws a bomb at the end of the game. DeAndre Hopkins gets a big touchdown. Hopkins had a monster day today. Chris, seven catches, 127 and a touchdown. Uh, I, I thought the Bills – you know, when I, as I look through the box score, I'm like, man, it looks like the Bills probably, you know, if you were watching the game, they won it. Um, I would say somewhat clearly. Uh, I was a little pissed off. Chase Edmonds was one of the guys I was going to go ahead and back here uh, again for a touchdown. Kenyon Drake comes in, has 100 yards. I mean, Edmonds came in, did his thing. He ran for seven yards of carry. He had three catches in this one. So I did get some decent touches out of him, but had Kenyon Drake not been in there, you know, the way that that Bills defense has been playing, the fact they gave up 32, uh, I felt like I should have gotten in the end zone today. I didn't expect that from from Drake. And, you know, that's how it goes. You know, one of our, our mainstays, at least one of your guys, Chris Stephon Diggs, uh, again, 10 catches, 93 yards, a touchdown. Um, he's clearly, right now, I mean, you got to say he's probably a top five wide receiver, you know, in the NFL. And I just mentioned it the other day, you know, that that's one of the things that I thought you know, has really plagued Kirk Cousins, the fact that Diggs isn't on that team anymore. I think it's showing up. Um, I didn't watch any of this game. I pretty much just read through the box score, watched the highlights. What did you see that uh, kind of impressed you today with that one? I mean, yeah, Stephon Diggs, he's the man. I mean, coming into this game on the season, he he's second in the NFL in area, in air yards, 
uh, only behind DK Metcalf and ahead of guys like Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, 10, 10 catches for 93 yards in fantasy. We're very happy to see him get the touchdown because that's something he struggled to get this season. However, the usage is, is there every single week. And uh, we, we hit the John Brown over 49 and a half receiving yards prop in this game. Uh, we lost our Christian Kirk over 50 and a half receiving yards. And w- with the Cardinals, you know, with Drake back into the fold, um, you, you saw them spread the ball around early in the game. Hopkins did a lot of his damage in the second half, obviously a, a, a lot of damage on that game winning touchdown catch, which was just absolutely unbelievable catch right there. He's one of the few guys you can, you can barely count on your hand that can make that type of catch in the NFL right now. Maybe the only guy, but that's another story for another day. Uh, Kirk still had six targets in this game. When you have a guy with the average depth of target as deep as Kirk does down the field, and he's getting six targets in a game where the Cardinals are scoring 32 points with 62 points on the board overall. I think more often than not, I'm going to feel pretty good about playing over 50 and a half receiving yards. So that was just a loss. I don't feel bad about the process on that one. I, I felt very good about the process with our John Brown prop because he wound up with eight targets on the day and his targets have been trending up. He's like the one B to Stefan Diggs one a in that offense when he's healthy and uh, you saw the Cardinals really r- ramp things up defensively in the second half, and they really put the clamps down on, on Diggs and Brown deep down the field. And you saw Josh Allen was pretty much forced down to check the, uh, was forced to check down to Cole Beasley for a lot of the second half. Cole Beasley was having a very quiet first half, even into the third quarter. Winds up exploding for 13 targets, 11 catches, 100 plus yards. So. Um, that, that was just kind of like a product of the second half adjustments, in, in my opinion, from watching that game. And w- with the Cardinals, you know, I was looking to play Edmonds over rushing as well. But obviously, once Drake came back into the fold, you know, we couldn't really do that anymore. I still started him in a few fantasy leagues. He did OK, had more of a floor game than a ceiling game. Uh, still didn't get the touchdown or, you know, we're still waiting on those touchdowns from Chase Edmonds to come in here. But other than that, you know, I talked about since our Wednesday week uh, weekly preview pod about Kyler Murray over on rushing, and he did hit that uh, just just a little bit. It was I think it was set around fifty something. He winds up getting sixty one rushing yards, a lot of that towards the end. But he he's you know in my opinion he's still the number one running back in this offense. I don't think Kenyon Drake's rushing for a hundred yards uh, most weeks. So that's kind of my overall takeaways from this game. I think a lot of the guys we expect to do damage in these offenses continue to do it. And I think John Brown still could be a little bit undervalued moving forward in this Bills offense. Well, no more Chase Edmond touchdown props for me. I'm officially, I'm officially done with uh with two Chase two strikes. You're out. That's it. Two strikes and you're out. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to the Rams and the Seahawks. This was uh, one of the wise guy plays of the day. Everybody kind of jumping on the Rams. I kind of felt you know that that was probably the way to go today. I was actually quite surprised, you know, that the Seahawks defense kind of showed up in somewhat. Uh, somewhat today. Russell Wilson, man, again, interceptions. Like this is just, it's not like Russ uh, to go out there and, and throw interceptions to turn the ball over. And uh, that that kind of, you know, pretty much cost Seattle in this game. Uh, what did we get out of this one today? You know what? I don't know. Leading rusher for Seattle. They're just in, they're in serious trouble. They got to get some running backs back in here, Chris, one way or another. You can't have Russell Wilson being your, uh, being your leading running back today. Did have 60 yards. I mean, I guess he, he put up some decent fantasy numbers today. He didn't have any touchdowns. What did you see in that one? DK Metcalf, two catches. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
it was ugly, man. This game was so ugly. I, and, and even the, like you said, this, even the Seahawks defense showed up and, and held Jared Goff in check when we saw guys like Nick Mullins, um, you know, subpar quarterbacks had their way with this Seahawks secondary. And, and for some reason, Jared Goff still couldn't do it. I put that more on Jared Goff personally than I do on the Seahawks defense, just having a great game here. But obviously when you have two division teams, you know, who are both competing for the division title, both competing for playoff spots. You're going to see the intensity ratcheted up a little bit here. And the Rams coming off a bye had extra time to prepare on their side of things. And they do have a very good defense as well. So uh, all those reasons alone uh, led to DK Metcalf, which I don't care who's shadowing DK Metcalf. If he goes an entire half without a single target, that's just unacceptable, man. You got to throw the ball to the, to the most talented and explosive playmakers on the field and Metcalf had no targets at halftime. They actually started to get the ball moving a little bit when they actually at least tried throwing the ball. And he was like inches away from connecting on like a 50-yard deep touchdown where he beat Jalen Ramsey in a one-on-one matchup uh, down the left sideline. Russell Wilson just overthrew, overthrew him a little bit. DK Metcalf tried to dive for it, barely missed on that catch. That would have been a huge play. Could have swung the momentum of the entire game there. So, you know, Metcalf came into the NFL, uh, came in leading the NFL into this game with the most air yards on the season, 989 total for the year. And, you know, if, if someone's uh, mad that they lost their fantasy matchup because of Metcalf and now he's had two quote unquote down games in the last three weeks, please go out and trade for him now because he's the type of guy who's going to win you weeks more often than not. And he's a guy we've played over props on for a lot of the year. But when it comes to a guy like Jalen Ramsey, he's a guy I have a lot of respect for. And I just wasn't willing to play that over. Someone asked me on Twitter earlier today before kickoff, they're like, Hey, what about Metcalf? Like the line's only 70. I'm like, yeah, but it's it just, I, I just, I, the division robbery, the J, Jalen Ramsey potential shadow coverage, that was enough to, to back me off of that prop. Uh, we actually did. This was the game where I felt very strong about a lot of prop plays, as well as a lot of people in the industry did, even in fantasy wise. Uh, we went one and two. We actually lost on Cooper Cup and Robert Woods uh, hitting, playing the overs on their receiving. And, you know, this is a game we thought there was going to be 55 plus points. We wind up with 39 points. The Rams only scored 23. They have a lead for most of the game. So, uh, the game script definitely did not go the way we thought it would. Uh, we did easily cash on our Josh Reynolds over three and a half catches. That was actually at plus money. So uh, very good that the one prop we did hit was at plus money in this game, about plus one to, uh, 112 on DraftKings I gave that out at. Um, so Josh Reynolds wind up, winds up leading the team in receiving in this matchup. He has eight catches, 94 yards. And Sleepy, coming into this, not many people know this, coming into this game, over the last three weeks, Josh Reynolds had, had th- three more targets than Robert Woods did. So you could potentially be seeing a change in the roles, a change in the guard of Reynolds being like the clear deep threat in this option in, in this offense. And then Robert Woods moving more to like a gadget type of short field option where he has to compete with Cooper Cup for those slot routes and those other targets across the intermediate areas of the field. So uh, let's keep our eye out on that for the Rams offense moving forward that Woods started off the year really hot and he's really cooled down a lot now these last couple weeks now. Um, and then we're, we're seeing like a, a, a huge, uh, you know, three headed mess in the, in the running back room in Los Angeles. Cause now they're getting cam Akers involved. Uh, Daryl Henderson is no longer like the true lead dog in that backfield and they're still giving Malcolm Brown work. So I think you want to only if you're in a deep league and you got to rely on one of these guys, you will just out of necessity, 
But uh, if you have a choice to, you really don't want to be relying on any of these running backs in the Rams backfield right now. All right, good stuff on that one there. We got the Saints and the 49ers. Saints get a win here today. They get the cover as well, 17. Uh, what would they win that game by? 27-13, win the game by 14. Drew Brees got dinged up in that one. Looks like he had an apparent rib injury. He goes out, uh, didn't do much for any of his fantasy guys, only 76 yards and a touchdown. Jameis Winston comes in. Uh, I had Latavius Murray today to go ahead and score a touchdown. Uh, he got the touches. He got a decent amount of yardage, but didn't end up getting a touchdown. They all went to... Uh, pretty much Alvin Kamara. Kamara ends up with a, a monster day today. Uh, three touchdowns. He had seven catches, 83 yards. As far as San Francisco goes, you know, we talked a little bit about McKinnon. You talked about Ayuk. You liked him again. Uh, clearly the number one guy. 14 targets, seven catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I mean, if you got him on your team, you got to be pretty damn happy. Uh, I don't, you know, it's San Francisco. It's over. I mean, their, their season's over. It's done with. They're not going to end up being able to go ahead and, and muster up anything with, you know, the remaining guys that they do have. They're not going to beat anybody uh, half decent. I could see them, you know, probably losing a bunch of games by double digits. And the fact that, you know, Drew Brees wasn't out there. I think that that Saints offense looked kind of choppy today. Michael Thomas only two catches on the day. Sanders only had one. Uh, Jared Cook had none. So it was just it was a it was an ugly game uh, to say the least. But I don't think that the scoreboard indicates probably just how bad San Francisco is uh, with their offense. So uh, again, yeah, I think he got lucky. If you're back to Saints today, I think he got really really lucky. Uh, what'd you see in that game, Chris? Yeah, one of the props I mentioned that I liked on the Money Picks Player Prop podcast that we do every Friday night was McKinnon under rushing yards. Uh, again, it didn't make the final cut list for my player props column, but. If you're listening throughout the week, you're getting plays that we really like. You're listening to our process and the under hit on that very easily. I believe it was set in like the low to mid 50s. McKinnon winds up averaging just 1.8 yards per carry, 18 total carries for 33 yards. I had also mentioned earlier, I forgot to mention that I, that I had mentioned uh, on the same podcast that I like Mike Davis under rushing and he had a very similar line, albeit on less carries overall. So uh, yeah, Brandon Ayuk, man, we hit the double dip prop. So on, on the players we were very high on, Gibson, McKissick, and Ayuk, those are guys we bet multiple props on today. We had a clean sweep, 6-0 and with these guys. We hit Ayuk, it was over 4.5 catches, over 55.5 receiving yards. And you mentioned his sleepy, 14 targets. He left a lot of production on the field. This could have been, you know, a 100-plus yards game, even if he, you know, let's say – doesn't catch half of the, you know, he, he, he didn't catch half of them today, but let's say he catches, you know, eight, nine, 10 of them out of those 14. We're talking about a much bigger day and maybe a top five, top 10 fantasy wide receiver performance on the week. But nonetheless, you're happy with Ayuk. I mean, we're in a 20 team league in our betting predators listener league. And I drafted Ayuk earlier in the season when he still had to compete with uh, George Kittle and Debo Samuel. And now I've got now I've got him in one of my two flex spots, and I'm I'm feeling good right now because he he is the clear number one wide receiver in that offense, and they drafted him high in the first round for a reason. You're seeing them not be shy to use him either, so I like what I see out of him just as a player. He looks good out there. He looks like a natural route runner. You know, he he can take that type that that type of, of volume in the passing game. And you can't say that about every single rookie in the NFL. We see guys like Henry Ruggs struggling to get a lot of targets in certain games. So I, I'm very excited at what I'm seeing out of Ayuk as a prospect. Uh, and then on the same side of things, another offense with a lot of mouths to feed now that Sanders is back. Uh, you know, Michael Thomas is back. You still have Jared Cook in there. And, you know, you, you have you have the two running backs, obviously. And, and you 
I think, Sleepy, you mentioned about Latavius Murray over on his rushing yards. I, I believe that he did wind up hitting that. Uh, he, had, he actually led the team, yeah, in rushing with 57 rushing yards on nine carries. I thought that was a sharp call right there uh, from your part, given the matchup and potential blowout, blowout spot for uh, the Saints in this one. So uh, I, I was salty because in one of my big dynasty matchups, I played against Alvin Kamara, and he, and he winds up with 15 rushing yards but still scores three touchdowns. So I was, I was kind of tilting about that. But, uh, but anyways, yeah, man, it, it's going to be uh, interesting to see this race go down. We've talked about some of the elite teams in the NFL and, you know, with the Saints and the Bucks, you know, eventually will they meet again in the playoffs? And if they do, that, that that's definitely going to be an epic type of showdown. And the three teams we've talked about now as being like elite Super Bowl contenders, we're talking about Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Big Ben. So with all these young and exciting quarterbacks out there in the NFL, uh, still, still a lot of the uh, old veteran heads, uh, you know, under center are still, are still manning the forts and, and still making some noise and, and, and uh, con- uh, contenders to mess with until it's all said and done here. Yeah, I was happy I did get that Murray one. That was one of my one of my caches for today. I didn't have a good day. I'm not very happy about the the overall results. Uh, lost a couple games, lost a couple couple player props, but it is what it is. Uh, it certainly wasn't my worst weekend, and I'm sure I'll have far better. Let's jump over to the Steelers. Uh, right now, Steelers nine and 36 to ten today. Uh, I was a little bit surprised at the result. I didn't think that I didn't think that Pittsburgh will go out and win by this much. Uh, but they really put it together. I think the story of the game, Chris, was the fact that Pittsburgh rushing attack only had 44 yards today. You know, if you went ahead and you jumped on uh, the Pittsburgh wide receivers over, I think you might have went 3-0 and if he ended up with Johnson, Suster, and Claypool. Not sure if Claypool went over, but Claypool did have two TDs today. You know, on the flip side for Cincinnati, you know, we're, we've been talking about T. Higgins, uh, a monster day for him today, seven catches, 115 yards, uh, a touchdown. I don't know what you made of that game. I, you know, looking at the box score, it's like, okay, if you didn't show me the score, I would think it was probably maybe a a seven point win, maybe a six point win. Um, You know, it could go either way. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Bengals snuck out a win. Um, You know, if I didn't see that Ben Ben threw four touchdowns, but if you just showed me the yardage, um, I would have thought that Cincinnati was, was definitely hanging in the game. I didn't see a 26-point win. What did you see out of that one? Big Ben had a monster day, 333 and four touchdowns. Yeah, um, I, I gave out the original prop, which was Deontay Johnson, over 49-and-a-half receiving yards. And, and this is something that I, you know, I think if you're listening to this podcast and you have been for the last couple months or this season, you're, you're going to see the consistent theme that we've been starting to hit on and harp on week to week was, is when you see – these guys in these committee type of receiver rooms, like in this case, it's like a three headed monster with Juju Claypool and Deontay. And you look at the lines being set and, you know, why is Deontay Johnson's line the lowest out of the three when he leads the team in targets by a pretty wide margin when they're all healthy. And the, the fact that he's left multiple games with injuries and the fact that Juju is the big name, the big household name. Chase Claypool is like the big splash rookie, explosive playmaker name. So Deontay's getting left behind. I still, I think he's just the best receiver in this offense. Period. And Big Ben like almost force feeds him the ball uh, to start out a lot of these games. So Deontay Johnson like went crazy in the first half. I think he had like close to 85, 90 yards by halftime in this game winds up with 11 targets. I think they just started giving Claypool more work in the second half because it was more of a blowout. That's where he scored both of his touchdowns were late in the game. So uh, 
I think if this was a closer, more competitive game, you would have seen Deontay Johnson close to like the 15 targets that he hit a few weeks ago, even. So uh, Deontay Johnson is the real deal in this offense. And I'm hoping that he has those little nagging injuries behind him now because he really produces when he gets, to, when he gets the ball in his hands with yards after the catch and also on deep routes too. So uh, I, I think I, I would personally take this receiving core over the Bucks, but I definitely think it, I think it's an argument that you can have because I think these are probably the two deepest uh, wide receiver rooms. You add the tight ends into the mix too, obviously with Ebron and Gronk with Tampa. But uh, but anyways, it, yeah, that's you know you see the the explosive offensive nature of the Steelers offense here. They look good today. The defense finally stepped up. They had a down game, even though they beat the Cowboys last week. Um, I lost my Giovanni Bernard prop. I thought it was like a, a gimme, like a layup prop, like Giovanni Bernard uh, over nine and a half carries. And I was like, you sleepy. I, I thought, oh, you know, this, you know, the Steelers might, might wind up winning by 14 points, uh, but it's going to be, you know, a somewhat competitive game, at least early. But the Steelers just came out and put their foot down on the, on the Bengals' throats, and the Bengals just had to abandon the run early. And Giovanni Bernard winds up with eight carries. So, you know, in most cases, I think that that process would have been, you know, more on the right side of things on most weeks. But, uh, you know, obviously overlooking the fact the Bengals were on the road, hadn't faced an opponent like the Steelers yet. The last time they had was when they were annihilated by the Ravens. So maybe we should have considered that a little bit more myself. Uh, but I did mention that I really like Giovanni Bernard's under rushing yards on our, on our player frost podcast. And that cashed in pretty easily as well. So that's kind of just overall general summary from the props that we talked about this week on that game specifically. And going forward again, please just make sure to double check these lines with the Steelers receivers, because if Juju and Claypool continue to be set over Deontay Johnson, I'm almost going to fire on Deontay every week, no matter what the matchup is. Yeah. I think we have to take this game and, and kind of look at next week's game and, and say, you know, what was the reason why, you know, that the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't use their rushing attack? And I think a lot of it has to do with, yeah, we got Juju. Yeah, we got Deontay. You know, we got we got Claypool. We got Ebron. And it's like, do we feed these guys, you know, to keep them happy and leave, you know, leave a guy like, you know, Connor back there to, to be healthy? I wonder if they go and they take that same approach next week uh, going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars where it's like, you know, let's let's get our guys healthy. Let's you know because I think you're going to want to certainly go ahead and keep at a minimum. You're going to want to keep Connor healthy. You know for the, for the late run. Um, I just wonder if the Steelers take that same approach next week going up against the Jaguars. If you know they, they're just feeding you know feeding the guys because if you look, I mean it was a concentrated attack. I mean there was only what what six guys that then ended up having targets today uh, for Pittsburgh. I wonder if they do the same thing next week. I'll have to put some thought into that. Um, Let's do Sunday night football, Chris. We'll go ahead and we'll finish up every game and then we'll be we'll be done here. You got Patriots to get a 23-17 win. I wasn't surprised. You know, I said if 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 the Patriots were going to come with like a last gasp effort, uh, it was going to be in this game. I think fortunately, you know, for you know, for this team, at least for for the Patriots, the fact that it rained the way that it didn't and the weather was miserable. Uh, we know that Lamar Jackson struggles to throw the ball. He actually threw it quite well in the rain. Uh, but you know, the Patriots did what they had to do. I, I had a feeling, you know, they were going to end up using that rushing attack and sure enough, they did. Uh, my boy, Willie Sneed had a pretty good game today. Uh, you talked about Jacoby Myers. I, I, I think he might've went over his, uh, receiving, um, total there. I had something in this game. I don't remember what the hell I had. Oh, I had, you know, I, I ended up playing uh, Marquise Brown to go ahead and score a touchdown. Uh, that didn't happen. 
and I played Myers to score a touchdown. Um, that didn't happen. That was the only thing. I There were late late bets that I plugged in. Um, I didn't particularly like the game, and I don't think there was any way you could have gotten me to go ahead and bet the Patriots, but I felt like – I started to feel like all week maybe they were like the right side. So – I don't know what you got out of that one. Cam Newton looked like a bum again, 13 for 17 in the rain. But, again, it was rain. So, I don't know how you felt about that game if anybody kind of stuck out there. Nah, man. This game, I, I wasn't targeting any props in this game. People had asked me questions like, hey, what do you think? I'm like, hey, I mentioned that I was looking. If I had to look somewhere, I mentioned that I would look towards Jacoby Myers. But I did not make any plays on Myers. And I'm pretty sure looking at his stats – I'm guessing you probably would have had to hit the under because he was at five catches, 59 yards. Although he did see a 40 plus percent target share, which, but which bodes very well for fantasy moving forward uh, in better matchups and in better weather. So, you know, you're liking what you see out of Jacoby. And if you had him in fantasy, you love the fact he threw a, a touchdown pass to Rex, Bur- Rex Burkhead early in the game on a trick play there. So um, I actually think, look, I'm, I'm not arguing with anything you just said about Cam, but honestly, Sleepy, watching this game, I feel that I, I feel that way about Lamar Jackson. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know that he was like okay in this game, like he was completing some passes here and there, but absolutely nothing about Lamar Jackson looked explosive in this game. Even when he runs the ball, you know, he's getting five, six yards. He's rushing for a first down here and there. There's no explosiveness. And and look, I know the weather might have played a role here, but this is a consistent theme. A, a consistent theme that we've seen so far this year, he cannot connect with Marquise Brown deep down the field, no matter how talented Marquise Brown is, no matter how much separation he gets. You saw him try the one, t- the one time he tried to throw it deep to Marquise Brown, he was picked off late in the first half there. So uh, I'm just not liking what I see. I don't see any explosiveness in this Ravens offense whatsoever. And uh, if you can fade this team, Going forward in other matchups, I wouldn't hesitate to do so, and I don't. I don't think it's like a bias watching this game on prime time here. Uh, I think that without like a lucky interception last last week, they might not have come out of Indianapolis with that two touchdown win. I know the Hitman mentioned that as well, so um, that, that's just my overall thoughts. I, I'm, I'm the more and more I watch Lamar, and because I'm in one league where I'm a defending champ this year, and he's my quarterback, and I thought, oh, I had the first pick in the draft, I took McCaffrey, and then. At the end of round two, I get a chance to take Lamar. I'm thinking 2019 with stars in my eyes. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm a defending champion. I'm going to start the season with Lamar and CMC. And having Lamar on your fantasy team has not been very fun this year. I mean, he had a decent night tonight, decent, but he's not winning you weeks. And at the draft cost you had to put in to get him, which was in the second or early third round at the latest, I'm guessing, uh, he's not giving you the value that you need with that type of high fantasy draft pick. So I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but uh, as much as you might be disappointed with Cam Newton, I think you can expect that from him at this point. I expect a lot more out of Lamar Jackson and I've seen him get worse compared to where he was last year. And he's looking more like he did in his rookie season. All right. Good stuff in that game. That'll wrap up all the games for our NFL week 10 recap. Sure enough, Chris and I'll be back. Next week with the rest of the guys on Wednesday, we'll go ahead. We'll go through our week 11 podcast. Chris will go ahead and do all our props and stuff like that. Big thanks to Chris for jumping on the pod. Big thanks for Chris, you know, also going ahead and posting all his articles and all his fantasy stuff on the bettingpredators.com. Uh, I just put up my frauds and gods column today because um, I was so salty. I wanted to get to all the frauds. Um, so you guys could check that out as well. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. I got college basketball coming up here soon. 
uh, still discussing on what we're going to do with that. Um, yeah. yeah, Sleepy, you got your uh, – you also mentioned again, we, t- we touched on it last week, but we'll mention it again here, is that you put out your uh, top 40 college preseason men's basketball rankings. That's on the website right now. You can find that on the homepage. And uh, I, I just also launched last week my rest of season fantasy rankings. So every single week I'm going to be updating those. And that's kind of looking at things from like more of a dynasty perspective, more of like if you're in a season long, like one off type of league, it's like what guys should I be targeting for the playoffs? Uh, who has not just a one week value, but rest of season value? Uh, you know, who can I stash on, stash on my bench that has high upside, things like that. So in addition to my weekly rankings for each main slate of games, I'll also be updating the rest of season rankings every week. And uh, tomorrow night, which will be Monday night, uh, you should be able to get the updated versions of my waiver wire rankings uh, for week 11 as well. And then my player props column, again, that comes out early Sunday morning, late Saturday night. Uh, Sleepy, you'll be doing your look ahead lines piece again later in the week. And and we've got a really good uh, column from Jay Smooth that he puts out, which is uh, breaking down each game on the the, uh, NFL slate with uh, PFF data and picks and things like that. So a lot of other great content, but that's kind of just like the summary of things right there. So make, make sure you're subscribed to the website and your email at the bottom of any article and get subscribed. You'll get alerts every single time we drop a new article there. All right. Good stuff from Chris. Good stuff from myself. Hopefully you guys did well uh, this upcoming week and hopefully you guys cash some tickets. Hopefully our information uh, found its, found its way to uh, the pay window. Hopefully some of the stuff you guys follow did well. Uh, but with that said, I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. That's Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist. You guys can find him on Twitter at Mad Journalist as M A D D Journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this upcoming week. Enjoy the games.